Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And with me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Hi, Bill. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. It's good to be back. It's uh seems like I'm turning into the Globetrotter here the last couple of weeks, so it's good to be back home in Rochester. Yeah, you must be a multi-million miler by now. You just came back from Southeast Asia, right? That's correct. I was in Singapore and Indonesia, and then the, the couple weeks before that, I was in San Francisco. I didn't go direct. I went west and east <laughs> and then back west-west again, so... Oh. Well, I thought with all of your travels, you've been getting some insights in healthcare, diagnostics, industry trends, and JP Morgan, their healthcare conference, as well as your travels in Southeast Asia. It'd be nice to really hear some of the insights that you took away from that. Yeah, well, I, you know, insights and observation, it's an interesting time. You know, for those who don't know, because I didn't know until probably about six or seven years ago, the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, as an academician, it's not as we think of a conference with posters and things like that. It's really a, a basically a mega networking event between investors and essentially healthcare industry businesses, right? It's sponsored by JP Morgan, but the reality is that very few people go to the actual JP Morgan conference. It's all about kind of meeting. It's a bit of a surreal environment going to the different hotel rooms that have been converted into temporary offices and you meet with people. And so there's a lot going on there. And then you walk down the street and there's like a who's who of CEOs from different diagnostic companies and other things just out and about. So very interesting environment and an interesting place to kind of gauge where people are looking to invest money in healthcare, which of course, it was very informative for all of us that are actually in healthcare and trying to, uh, to deliver health. Yeah, you know, I did a little reading about it. And so according to the JP Morgan Healthcare official website, this conference, this is their 42nd annual conference, brings together more than 8,000 investors, industry professionals, senior government officials, and 550 global healthcare companies, ranging from Fortune 100 corps to small cap and emerging private. So sounds like a very rich environment to really get an idea of what people are talking about in healthcare diagnostic trends. It is. It's this proverbial buzz on the street, right? And all the different crowded coffee shops that are there. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, during COVID, of course, the conference itself was not held, but it was a time when there was a lot of investment in diagnostics. There was a lot of interest in diagnostics. And so to see where things land now, I think there still is an interest in diagnostics there. The question, though, is sort of uh, as we come out of the pandemic, where do things lie with all the innovation around personalized diagnostic and personalized medicine, particularly around cancer? So I, I think that there's a definitely renewed interest. Some big companies, that diagnostic companies that were developed immediately prior to the, to the pandemic actually are out there for it to be acquired potentially by other companies. So there is definitely an interest in diagnostics and investment in diagnostics, but it's a little bit more, I would say, they don't know quite how far the future is going to go with, with in terms of diagnostics. And there's a lot of interest in hospitals and in healthcare too. So it is a, a, a growing area of the United States economy and the global economy. But really the focus at JPM from a diagnostics perspective seemed to be, okay, where do we go from here? What does the world look like after the pandemic? Where is personalized medicine and the role of diagnostics and personalized medicine? How is that going to fall out? 
as we pivot away from the pandemic and back to thinking about personalized medicine, which was really all the buzz, if you will, to use that term twice prior to COVID kind of appearance on the world stage. Sure. And, and that must have been interesting then going from that conference to Southeast Asia, where it's probably less about personalized diagnostics, but maybe more global and public health and trying to get access to care. What were your thoughts yes. from those trips? Well, a little bit of a blend, actually. It's interestingly oh. enough. So in the Western world, there's the, obviously in the U.S., there's already been major investments in growth of companies like Grail around the, these sort of tests. They do have an international presence as well. But when you go to Southeast Asia, you definitely see those countries also are dealing with cancer burden and trying to understand how to manage and, and provide good health care around cancer and other illnesses to their societies. But on the flip side, the degree of development of the healthcare infrastructure is much, much different. And even at this last trip, I was both in Singapore as well as in Indonesia. And even between those countries, you know, Singapore probably does feel a lot more like the Western city in terms of the maturity of the healthcare system. Whereas you go to a place like Indonesia, which has, you know, between two and 300 million people. So about the same size as the U.S. And the entire infrastructure is just much different. The labs themselves are much different. And the ability of people to pay is much different too, in terms of just, is there private insurance? If, if public health has to pay, how much money does public health have for some of these? Can people really afford a $2,000 test you know, for cancer screening that might be in, in the West? And so it's very interesting. I think what we'll see, number one, is we need to really be paying attention globally to what's happening and thinking about healthcare delivery across the globe so we can improve health through access to diagnostics and making the appropriate investments. But then also thinking about what does that look like? It's going to look a lot different probably for Indonesia than it will for uh, Minnesota in terms of what testing infrastructure looks like that's going to really improve access for patients. And uh, yes, all great points. And as we've said before, we really are a global society. Our ability to traverse the globe is pretty impressive. Here we are talking about you just getting back from Indonesia and and Singapore, and it could happen so quickly. And then you overlay all of what we're seeing with infectious diseases, of course, my area of interest, in addition to cancer, and the fact that we're in this epidemic of antibiotic resistance. And then you think of these organisms that could very quickly go from one place to another. So diagnostics in Indonesia, initially people living in, let's say the United States may say, well, that's interesting, but how is that relevant to me? But really it's, it's relevant to the entire global society. If you have someone with multi-drug resistant tuberculosis, for example, and then they travel and then the next thing you know, we have cases introduced in a large American city. Well, then all of a sudden that is a problem in the United States. So we really have to have a global view when we think of these diseases. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I think that a global view, and we have to be thinking about both ends of the spectrum, if you will, right? On the one hand, how do we protect public health? How do we make investments in the diagnostic infrastructure, to your point, that globally, that really protect public health and around pathogens and other things? And on the other side, how do we promote investment in diagnostics across the globe that ensure that if a patient gets cancer in a country like Indonesia, they have the same opportunities both for diagnosis and treatment as someone living in, in the United States or Canada or you know a more developed part of the world. They're both really important. They probably have different stakeholders. And so you'd have to think about different ways to draw that investment around public health. It's probably gonna be a lot around thinking about public-private partnerships, governments being invested, 
you know, organizations like WHO and FIND and others that are global health to think about how do we get, make sure they have access to financial resources to build out the global network. Flip side is, how do you innovate? And that's one of the things that was really exciting to be in Southeast Asia. There's a lot of innovation there and their innovation around cancer diagnostics is thinking about the problems that are local in terms of access and other things. And so that's where it's really exciting to be part of leading Mayo Collaborative Services and part of that organization to say, how can we draw investment in those parts of the world that will be economically sustainable and actually improve access to those at diagnostics as well? So it's a, it's a little bit of a complicated rubric. If we're not thinking about this intersection between healthcare delivery, diagnostics, and economic sustainability for different stakeholders, whether they're private industries or public health, we're not going to be able to solve what's a pretty complex kind of set of, of conditions. Yeah, we need that private-public partnership and the investment yep. from public organizations in public health. Well, all excellent points. Very interesting and exciting times, Bill. Thanks for the insight. Bill, yeah, thanks. I don't know if I have insights yet, but I, it is interesting to get to work with people like you who have spent my career at Mayo and now be in that environment and thinking about how do we keep the needs of the patient first as we think about all these things that are evolving that's what's really rewarding for me is trying to think about all my experiences that I've been blessed with and how do I apply those now in a different context. And it's not just unique to me. I think for others that are, might be listening that are interested in these things, it's, it's important to get engaged and you don't have to get engaged in everything, but if you're really interested and invested in public health, you know, really thinking about getting engaged in those issues and helping to forge the arguments around those public private partnerships or that investment, or if you're interested in access to personalized diagnostics, thinking about, what are the companies that are out there? And what are some of the things that we need to keep taking our patients' needs into the conversations around how we grow these assets, whether it's through private industry or public health? Yeah, absolutely. Well, always interesting talking to you, Bill. I appreciate hearing about your recent travels and what you've been thinking about. Yeah, thank you. It's, well, it's always fun to talk, right? So, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of examples coming in. It might be really interesting to you travel the globe as well, and I know you spent time in Africa and thinking about this from the public health perspective. So, so always fun to talk. I mean, and there's never a shortage of things to talk about. Absolutely. Well, so until next time, we can think of more things to talk about. There will be plenty, I know. That's right. Maybe we'll have to do another Twitter poll or something and see what's on people's minds. Oh, good idea. All right. Until next time. See you later. Sounds good. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.